business humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. I am Jared. Hey Jared, how's it going? It's going okay. Going okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's warm today. It's really nice here today. So that's exciting. How, how, how warm? How warm is it there? Make Gosh. Me jealous. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's got to be like in the 70s. No, it's not in the uh, 70s yet. Let me see. Hold on. I got to pull up a robot to tell me how warm it is or is not. Uh, 61 degrees is warm here. You son of a bitch. What's the matter? <laughs> it's like 90 here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Texas. Uh. Summers, summers in the Pacific Northwest are great. I bet. Yeah. Make me jealous. Yeah. Make me jealous. It'll get, I'm sure I've said this before, but it'll get into the 90s and mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh my God, it's so hot. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so hot. But wait, this is as hot as it's going to get. <laughs> There's a silver lining. Yeah. I mean, it got into the, like, it got, it, it hit triple digits last year for a couple days. But, you know, that's nothing compared to two weeks of 110 degrees in Texas. Yeah. I might I might be happy with maybe a middle ground though cuz it's been it's been kind of rainy and and in the 40s and 50s for the past few days and I'm like, "Uh, I'd like to go outside now." <laughs> I'd go outside if it were in the 40s and 50s here. Like that's what <laughs> Yeah. Just like a sauna, always a sauna all the time, but anyway. Yeah. I don't we miss must Texas. We run out summer. of a run out of really witty banter since we're literally talking about the weather. Whatever. The weather, you know what? The weather's great. Weather is weather's good. I uh I watched um the new Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie. How yesterday. is it? I'm cu- I'm curious. It's fine. It's good. Mhm. It's okay. It's uh, you know, it's the Lonely Island guys. Yeah. So, um but it's them doing something kid-friendly, reasonably kid-friendly. Uh it's good. It's fine. It's uh it's exactly what it looks like in the trailers. I um I got the impression because it, it had some Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibes, you know? Yeah. But anytime anything tries to have the same kind of feel as that movie, it's just usually terrible because nothing can compete with that it's, film. So after I finished it, I was I was I did of course compare to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and they kind of get that out of the way pretty early on. Like there's a like, there's a scene of them like living the high life and dancing with Roger Rabbit during oh. like, you know. <laughs> okay. Um but uh it's uh, it's not as good as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, for sure. Well, yeah. Um it's it's fine. It's good. Uh yeah, it doesn't compare to that, but it's not bad. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to check it out. I've, it's got my curiosity. Yeah. For sure. The humans aren't as uh like the human characters aren't as necessarily as good as I mean it's Bob Hoskins. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be as good as Bob Hoskins, but there's they're really no nowhere near as good as Bob Hoskins, which is a shame. It's not yeah, it's not it's not quite the same. It's more about Chip and Dale, so it's less interaction with the human world than mm-hmm. and I feel like computer graphics kind of make it easy to do a lot of things. I uh I heard because you know they they have the mix of like the the three D animated characters and the two D animated characters, mm-hmm. which initially excited me. But then I heard, and maybe this is not true, but that it's 
it's like the 2D animated characters aren't actually 2D animated. They're it's not. Just they're 3D animated with like a filter over them. Yeah, they're 3D that animated. To bum the hell out of me. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> I, I I was excited about that, and 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 I think like I, I I hadn't quite tuned into it at the beginning either. You know, maybe, but like I think at the beginning they are 2D, but then like at some point, but maybe they never were, and maybe they were always 3D. Um, but just at the beginning, I wasn't looking as closely. But yeah, they're just 3D with, yeah, yeah, like you said, 2D kind of filter or whatever. I get they cheated at that corner, but man, yeah, I, I I crave some good old 2D animation, my friend. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want. I can't believe they cheated like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, we ourselves are no strangers to cheating at devolver digital oh i I was like what speak for yourself what are you trying to uh, accuse me of there sir (laughs) (laughs) no 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 i meant not personally individually i meant as a corporate entity oh yeah Uh, absolutely support and endorse cheating uh and in fact the day that this podcast comes out uh we're releasing an entire game about how to cheat at games oh we are we are yeah. What, what what game is it? What game is it? Jared, you don't know? God, you're fucking bad at your job. It's I'm Card so Shark, bad. Jared. Card Shark! Card that Shark. That does come yeah. out uh, that when this podcast will be live. Yeah, yeah, it does. And we should um, we should probably do something with that. Yeah, let's talk about Card Shark. Let's talk about Card Shark. We should get, we should get someone who designs the cheating and then someone who actually knows how to cheat. What do you think about that? I think I like that, yeah. Some kind of like right. designer, some kind of cheater, some, something in, in that, that teeters those lines is what I'm looking for. Jared, surprise, so surprise. It design. Puppy <laughs> surprise. Uh, we have uh, Daisy, a designer and writer over at Nereal, and Nikolai, who is an artist, animator, and cheat, right here on this Devolver Digital Forecast, right now. What? Hi, y'all. Hi. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> Very well, thank you. It's great. Game's going out. Congr- Amazing. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, Exciting. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long has this process been for this game? How long has this been in development? For me personally, it's been three years. Oh, wow. Okay. And oh, for wow. me, I started last year, the beginning of last year, and came off it at the end of last year. Okay, nice. So wait, you're no longer on. You're no longer on it. Oh, yeah. You've moved on to something. And else. kind of quite symbolically, I had to delete the project off my laptop to have enough memory to record this podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, no. Wow, <laughs> catharsis. Holy, we are done with shit. it. <laughs> <laughs> Games out. The only copies are the copies you people at home buy. <laughs> Oh, that's terrific. So you're not in the credits via the way video games work. Now that you're not, if you're not in, in the development team at the time of launch, you're oh, not in it. the credits, right? I like to be that, that like a symbolic artistic statement. Like the whole studio erases the files. Things out. <laughs> you have to buy it if you want to play it again. There it is. There it is. I feel like you all delete it all and then you disappear with a whole bunch of Devolver's money or something like that. <laughs> going with the, theme of the, game. the ultimate con artist. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It just reminds me of that episode of Metalocalypse when the band, like, they record the whole album and it's about to come out and he just, like, deletes it. He's like, it's not brutal enough. <laughs> it's like, game comes out today, you're like, not good enough. Delete. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> uh, well, uh, since, Nikolai, you were on it from the very beginning, would you like to tell us the origins of Card Shark and what Card Shark is and is not? Yes. So... Card Shark is a game about card cheating in 18th century France. Um, and, well, it's certainly not a card game. It's a game where you learn how to cheat at cards and you learn card manipulation techniques that are based on real techniques used by cheats in real life. That it's all documented from books that have been published mm -hmm. for about 100 years. And the project started with me learning card magic as a hobby. So I, it's been maybe a couple of years. I started uh, on and off practicing some tricks and learning, th learning things and showing tricks to friends. And at some point I remembered uh, this very famous scene in Berlin, uh, the Stanley Kubrick movie, where the main hero cheats at cards. Mm -hmm. And from the perspective of learning card magic at the time, and, and I was like r in the middle of like this high when you start to get good. So mm -hmm. you practice a lot, you start reading more uh, and, and being very excited about it. I looked at that scene, remembered it, and was like, oh, actually, that makes so much sense. That scene was so good. Like, it actually was well thought out. As, ev as everything mm -hmm. with Kubrick, right? Everything was so well documented. And um, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a game that is just that scene from Barry Lyndon over and over? And nice. I, I told it to a few friends, like, just as a funny thing. Like, hey, I thought of this idea. What do you like? Wouldn't it be funny? And everybody started like coming up with more ideas. You know, it's one of those ideas <laughs> that you told to somebody in a couple of sentences, and they start telling to you, oh yeah, then you could travel around, and maybe then you get betrayed, and maybe then you know, and that's when you know your idea is good. <laughs> now, were you already a part of Nereal at this time? No, uh, Nereal um, wasn't fully formed this time uh, like it existed but I think it was just Arnaud and Francois and Tamara mm -hmm. and they were just in the process of kind of fully forming and consolidating right so Arnaud has just finished Picuniku mm -hmm. and he came to Madrid in a break uh, and we 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 met up because I met Arnaud like before we both started making video games. Um, mm -hmm. I actually just started and I was really into indie games and he was not. He was doing graphic design in Madrid. And we met mm -hmm. through a common friend and sh I, I showed him some stuff and told him that I was trying to learn to make games myself. And he got really interested into that. And <laughs> few years later he's making rains you know <laughs> yeah i was gonna say oh. <laughs> amazing right yeah uh, so so yeah like i meet arnaud get him into making games 
he makes a great game years later he comes back to Madrid we hang out and uh, I showed him a different project that he didn't like mm -hmm. uh, and then we went to lunch and we were just chatting while eating and I told him well you know I, I just thought of this other crazy idea a card cheating game you know this thing from Mario Lindon blah 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 you know and he's like oh wow that's super interesting tell me more <laughs> <laughs> and next day he emails me like oh you know I, I've been thinking about your idea that's really good we should talk to Francois I'm like okay yeah sure and basically that was I think around December of 2018 I think okay uh, oh. and uh, that those around end of the year I spent like maybe a week doing a storyboard of the game and nice. send it to them and they really liked it and that's where they started to like assemble people and, and, and building a making plans to build a prototype that's terrific yeah, it was incredible. So you right? it was, stole it was Arno's really credit easy, card, which is which is very funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just have a great idea, share it with one of your super successful friends, <laughs> yes. and then recite for success. There's, that's a, that's a secret right there. <laughs> boom, <laughs> recipe for success. Um, nice. So Daisy, you came in on the project about a year ago. Is that yes. right? Uh, what had you been doing prior to that? And then what was it like getting involved in this? Uh, prior to that, I've sort of been working my way up from being a junior designer uh, to a designer. And I've worked on several narrative games like South of the Circle. Um, and I worked on a couple of indie games with friends um, like Bird Alone. And oh, yeah. then I heard that they were looking for a designer at Nuriel. And when I was lucky enough to get the job, I was shown the project and told that they basically wanted to reverse engineer tutorials for all of the tricky techniques and strategies that you're going to learn. <laughs> so, they were... so they had the cheating mechanics in place. Exactly. And then they, were, they asked you to make a way to teach people how to exactly. do it. Exactly. So they said, uh, you know, they, I had to kind of be taught how to play the game, but without a tutorial in order to teach the tutorial, which meant that oh. I spent a lot of time on calls with people like Nikolai having to explain to me um, how the techniques work, but yeah. the, with the added challenge that I'm absolutely awful at playing card shark, uh, which, <laughs> which I'll have you know, a lot of is are. actually I would say a real virtue, um, a, a really useful skill to have on as a designer on it because it meant that I could really cater for the the lowest denominator um, mm -hmm. of skill. <laughs> Hopefully, that's that's what people you know will find if they struggle with these kind of games, the, um, the tutorials will accommodate that. So did you also write the tutorial? Like, I mean, you design the tutorial, but that also means you like write what's going on in the tutorial and stuff yeah. like that? Because you said designer Exactly. Writing. So I, I work very closely with Ben, one of the programmers, and also yeah. Ludwig, another programmer. Um, and I would, I would write the dialogue alongside the more granular parts of the tuition um mm -hmm. and it, I'd, I'd usually just do a very rough pass you know really really 
shitty writing, um, but with the emphasis on how you teach it. And often we would, yeah. we, we, well, I started off quite conservative with how we did it, but the longer I played it, it meant that I would review what I'd done before and start being a little bit more playful. Uh, and we, we discovered quite early on that deliberately making the player fail was quite a good way of teaching them how to play it. Um, mm. And because the Comte is such a cheeky guy, it makes sense that he would he would take the piss out of you as he's teaching you yeah. it. And he, this starts off kind of playful, but then as the game develops and your relationship with him becomes more tense, it starts feeling a bit um, like a, a little bit cruel. Um, and it was just a very, it, I really, really enjoyed tracking this relationship between the characters and how that informed the tutorials. Because, you know, it's often with games, you have the tutorials front loaded at the beginning of the game, but I had the privilege of doing them throughout the story. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say. For most games, the tutorial happens at the beginning and then every once in a while when there's a new mechanic. But Card Shark is, God, like, what, 40, 50% tutorial? <laughs> like, you're always learning new tricks throughout the game. Yeah. It's like a JRPG. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> we might and... have the record, no, for more tutorials in the game. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it meant we, we became quite efficient at banging them out because I would... I, I think I just got in a, a, a good sort of uh, a good rhythm with making them with Ben um, and we just do them in Google Sheets and I would basically almost like storyboard it and then he would put it into Unity and then I'd give him feedback based on that and then we do writing passes on it and it was a nice relationship with Francois as well who was also well he's the sort of main um, writer but he's really good at um, writing from the period and adding little flourishes and stuff like that. So he could pep up my writing and I could maybe strip it down when it was becoming a bit too, um, a bit too flowery. And mm. we found a nice equilibrium in the process. Nice. Well, cause, cause French people still speak the way that they, do. <laughs> yeah. they haven't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of like the historical aspects, you know, you mentioned the Comte, um, you know, you so it's you know historical fiction game. What's it like for for both of y'all? Like you know, drawing, writing, engaging with actual historic, like actual people, like from history. Do you want to go first, well, Nicola? Yeah, I can. So uh, originally, I wasn't sure we were going to use actual historical figures. I, when talking early on at the beginning of the project with Francois. I proposed a number of figures as inspiration and as like models for characters that we would encounter. And that meant some people from the time period and, and some cheats or uh, yeah, cheats con artists and other interesting figures like that. And he decided to just go ahead and, and use them. Uh, so, um, uh, also, from from the point of view of uh, like um, drawing and, and designing characters, I would have done it anyways, even if it wasn't something that we agreed upon. Because when you design, um, you do need some reference. Like I just get bored mm -hmm. of drawing random people that don't mean anything. So yeah. I do need some kind of model. Okay, who is this character? What does it look like? And it's funny 
if I find something that is um, some relationship, okay, who I can can I take as inspiration or as a model for this character? So even the characters that are in the game that are not based on historical figures and that are completely made up are their look is actually based on somebody uh, okay so real people or historical figures uh depends sometimes i i might use even an actor who had played a role that is similar in some movie mm -hmm. so i just need something to to feel that what i'm doing is not random that it has yeah. like a purpose uh, otherwise yeah it just becomes a to-do list that is very boring and uh, <laughs> I'll, like to me designing this stuff is also s sort of a game so I try to make it fun nice I think on my part because the Comte is such an elusive figure in history and there's a lot of debate about whether he even exists it was a really nice character to work with because I didn't feel like particularly restrained in how um, he spoke. I, I'd sort of bounced off what Francois had already written. And then I, th I think as the process went on, he became a bit more and more ludicrous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in terms of historical accuracy, I wouldn't say it was the most rigorous process, but we did have an editor come in um, who pointed out that words like okay are an Americanism. So we'd have to do a whole search of the text and remove them. And, you know, there were occasional things like that that came up. But um, m my feeling about writing for historic or games in a historic setting is that it can become a bit, um, you can tie yourself up in knots a bit if you start trying too hard to replicate the, the dialogue of the era. So it's better to sure. strip it back into a planar register and then add in little flourishes. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we never took sense. it uh, too seriously. Um, wanted to have fun with mm. the period and the characters of the period and not feel too restricted by it. So some of the characters that are based on real people d don't actually belong to the 18th century. There's some cheating, some historical cheating going on also. <laughs> uh, because we there's some characters that are just too fun and too nice to, to have and, and they were inspiring. So we didn't care we just put them there um cheated making the game it's yeah perfect. and yeah. like <laughs> likewise there was a, a design um poet a bit of poetic license where basically we we needed a um if, if the character was or if the player character was to die and then repeat the scene we didn't want to have them repeat all of the dialogue again so we had this mm -hmm. this idea that the character had a seizure and he's only just waking up from it and then you carry on you can choose to repeat the tutorial or skip it and that came about because mm -hmm. i was doing some research about how muteness because the player character is mute um how muteness mm -hmm. is, was regarded in the 18th century and it turns out that it was it had connotations with um sort of mysticism and seizures and we just thought we could kind of use use this as a little um way of restarting the scene um, but yeah. it wasn't actually 18th century. I think it was 16th century. So we were a bit naughty. I mean, as long as it's beforehand, it's okay. Somebody's going to keep those <laughs> ideas. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite likely. Some people still after. thought that. 
Yeah. It's really really nice setup because you keep like your restart, dying, rebirth thing in the fiction. It it becomes believable. Yeah. So I really like that yeah. setup. I, I always really enjoy that when death in a game is narratively kind of written into it, you know, the restart process. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely historically more accurate than dying and coming back to that life. That is true, as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another little, little, little thing that is not accurate, uh, that probably less people realize, is cards at the time did not have indexes. What do you mean indexes? Uh, like the little symbol in the corner with the number like hearts spades and stuff like that no they, they had the suits but it, they were not have a symbol in the number in the corner in the upper left corner oh the they just had in the face of the card okay so like the cards are uh, my design for the in-game cards are based on how like uh, done imitating roughly the style of the time mm -hmm. but we added the indexes which are not historically accurate but it's just a pain to, to make everything work, both yeah. in terms of interface and in terms of manipulation and stuff, if you have to look at the, at the entire face of the card. So yeah. it's one of the things that is for convenience of design. We take that leverage. I mean, there's a reason that they started putting them on the cards in real life, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> just mar much more convenient, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I like that this this episode uh, of the forecast is like just that y'all are just pointing out <laughs> all the things that aren't correct about card We're like, beating it's, them. It's like a, yeah, how to cheat at making a game. <laughs> if that's yeah, the only right, thing people... We don't care. Yeah. But if that's the only thing people have to complain about, then I think we've done an all right job. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of what else was what? wrong about it, but... Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the, you know, for each of you, what were some of the biggest challenges in in making this game? Because it's a weird game, like by nature, like it's not a card game. It's a game about cheating at cards. So there's this, it's there's this sort of, it's a, it's I don't know, a meta game about a game. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like, like you've got the card game, but you what you play as the player is the cheating at the card game, and like, how do you, like what are the challenges that come along with that? Well, I think uh, Daisy would agree that the teaching <laughs> was, <laughs> yeah. was the biggest challenge. So much to teach in this game. Yeah, um, we struggled. We struggled with that, honestly. Like we spent some of the mini games. We spent so long on them. And some others, they were like immediately good. You never mm. know, right? So you have, yeah. it's one yeah. of these games because there's so many little interactions and so many different situations. You can have like, they're trying to do this, like the standard production process where you have your spreadsheet and you know, okay, this many techniques, we do a couple of weeks per technique or something like that that was planned, you know? But then, mm. yes, yeah, some techniques were done in three days, and some others took us like two months or three. Yeah, I, um. I would. It, it definitely uh, was exacerbated by the fact that we were trying to be conscious of people who would find learning a technique easy, and therefore might get irritated mm. at us pandering too much to them, versus people who mm. might have forgotten what happened because they haven't played the game in a while. So there was a lot of conditional 
there was a lot of writing of conditionals like oh do you remember this we taught you it in scene x um and people don't always play the game and or they, they might not go to a location in the same locations in the same order so we had to accommodate that as well and working out what they won't have been taught yet and there were just yeah a few things like that which were quite hard to keep track of yeah 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 so and also there's there's this mix of you have to understand the card logic okay what do you want to accomplish in terms of like when you try to stack like a hand for somebody you kind of mm-hmm. have to understand that basic logic of okay you have to interlace a card with random cards so that as they are being dealt every third card is a high card or something like that right yeah so some people struggle with that because they have not much experience with playing cards and they just don't think that that's a thing you know uh, yeah. plus that you have the interactions themselves right you have to teach okay what do you press to do this what uh, <laughs> um and then uh, there is the the kind of overall logic. Okay, you did this in this technique, but then it changed to this other technique. What do you have to do now? Yes. <laughs> so it's a lot of <laughs> layers of information, and I I mean I I think the team in the end did an amazing job of kind of layering that information, so it's not all taught in one big chunk. And, yeah, uh, that's that's helpful. Like watching people play the demo, I'm mm-hmm. very happy because even some people get it very fast, some struggle a little, but you can see how that information gradually be- builds up, and it really works. And it's very relieving because, yeah, we did have moments where it was very painful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting as well because as I was saying earlier, I came onto the project when there was no tutorial. So it took me so long to learn how they, how to play each technique. And then I'll watch oh. a playthrough and I'll be like, wow, they picked it up so fast. I must be so stupid. <laughs> or the tutorial was great. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also it felt a bit like I had a race against the clock when I was trying to teach it without becoming too familiar with the technique. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, I I really did. Yeah, I really had to make it. I really did make a virtue out of not understanding it because that was precious because it meant that I could remember what I'd need to hone in on when I was teaching it in the first place. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I I took a, a pottery class, like a one night pottery class one time with a partner and we went and the woman teaching us was a very good potter, it seemed, but not a very good teacher <laughs> because she would very often just like be like, okay, and then you center the clay and she would just do it. And then she's like, okay, and then you pull up the clay and she would just do it. And it was like, uh, ma'am, <laughs> how? <laughs> what? What? Uh, so, you know, it's, I, I can appreciate, I mean, I, I enjoyed like the tutorials in, in the game work for me, but you know, it's, it's nice to have someone willing to just go through it step by step and make sure that you don't miss a beat that's good to hear yeah i mean how many different how many tutorials how many different mini games mechanics i'm asking like three different questions at the same time but fuck it answer 
like how many different like but how many different ones are there in the game like i don't know if which whichever of those seems the easiest to answer like how many different cheating techniques are there do you remember daisy oh, I, d I deleted the project of my laptop i can't remember <laughs> 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 that <was> symbolic. <laughs> yeah, these traumatic memories are destroyed. <laughs> Let me count the calluses on my fingertips when typing. <laughs> so, I mean, right. like, yeah, because there's this distinction between individual techniques and strategies, mm -hmm. what we call strategies in the game, which mm -hmm. are like these chains of techniques that are yeah. different per scene so there's one per scene i believe and yeah. so i think there are like around 30 strategies and there are over 40 individual techniques okay. uh, but s s but it, this count is really tough because some techniques are variations like they they kind of the same basic concept same inputs but you're doing different things. Like for mm -hmm. instance, the overhand shuffle, which is like the most common way of shuffling cards, you can do many things with that. So we have many different variations of that in the game. So some techniques is like, do you count that twice? Do you not count that twice? Is that a separate technique? Yeah. Is it not? Uh, we did count it like internally as independent techniques, I think. Sure. So if you count it, Every variation of its own technique, it's around 40. Nice. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I am the guilty for, for pushing that uh, <laughs> because, uh, well, um, I believe that we were, um, our concept, right, was a game about card cheating. So I yeah. thought it was a disservice to not cover the entire range of what that means you know like y you have to fulfill the promise so i wanted there to be all the major uh areas of card cheating like if you pick up a book um on card manipulation and card cheating uh like the different uh chapters of that book we would have at least one thing from every chapter in the game and we do nice. So I felt that we needed that amount to fulfill the, pr the promise. Nice. Speaking of books, do, do you all have any recommendations for cheating resources for people who want to learn how to cheat at cards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, most famous one, most influential book is called Expert at the Card Table. And it's at... Um, it's by S.W. Erdnais, which is believed to be a pseudonym mm -hmm. because the story is that this is some real-life cheat who sold his secrets for money because he needed money. And <laughs> he basically dictated the book. He did not write it himself. He probably told to somebody who wrote it. And this was published in the early 20th century. Uh, and it's become one of the most influential books in card magic because a lot of the stuff it explains is super useful for card magic. Mm -hmm. um, then from contemporary stuff, the probably the world's biggest expert 
is a man named Steve Forte and this guy was a consultant for security consultant for casinos in Las Vegas oh wow and he knows he's basically the um, the encyclopedia of cheating he knows everything about card cheating and he has books and he made like videos in the 90s and uh, has a lot of material and this is absolutely incredible like this is probably the, the world expert on the matter what was his name steve forte nice yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of people like this this other magicians who specializes in in card cheating yeah. uh but this is like the two extremes probably like the oldest one that is still studied and the living one who is probably right now the the, the expert the biggest expert daisy do you feel confident in your ability to perform card tricks now that you've done <laughs> 40 tutorials uh, i'm still trying to work out how to do a, a plain riffle shuffle um <laughs> so it would be hubris to attempt to pull off a trick at the same time at this point maybe one day <laughs> But, but I, I don't know, actually. Did you even try? Did you try? <laughs> I tried to learn how to do a riffle shuffle in the dark days. No, of but winter. not a riffle shuffle. Like, while we were trying to figure out, you know, the different false shuffles and all these techniques we were, we've gone through, did you try it, you know, in your hands? I, at some off, point? if I was trying to explain something, like, uh, there was this one, like, like, the bent card technique. Yeah. I would ha be having to do it with a card to work out, like, where like how you would be holding it in, uh -huh. a, in a kind of mm. sensory way um, in order to like put it in the dialogue but I yeah see. like my skill at any card manipulation is so limited that yeah it, it, the idea of me being able to pull off like a kind of complex shuffle <laughs> is a bit laughable <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen I've, so that does bring up you know, I was just going to oh. say Nikolai's um I seen Nikolai do some tricks in the wild and it, it was really impressive. I was amazed and scared. <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen that too and it's pretty great. Well, I haven't actually seen the trick happen, but I've seen the result. <laughs> You've seen the smiles. I've seen the smiles. I never see the actual trick. I'm like, wait, when did it happen? <laughs> um so that's another that's you know you, you brought up you know having to hold the card and like feel it in your hand so you know another aspect of the tutorials in the game and with the game in general you see a lot of hands you see a lot of hands holding cards and stuff like that um like how how much is that was how much of that was you nikolai how much of that was you daisy or, or was that someone else kind of handling those those close-up hand animations during the cheating that was all nikolai yeah yeah so that was actually another challenge uh like major challenge animation wise and mm -hmm. because we want to give freedom to the player to manipulate cards in different ways even ways that don't make sense like where you mm -hmm. just screw up your trick and the animation has to respond to all these different states of the of the card and uh, and the deck and so actually planning around how to build the animations and break them down into parts so that we could show all these different variations in an organic way was in some cases like really 
like you, you get a headache, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how, because like mm, in some cases, uh, the animation is broken down into different parts when you have maybe a floating uh, thumb in one part, then some mm. cars floating in, in the middle and then the rest of the hands in another skeleton and all that is like sandwiched together in the game in Unity but each of yeah. those parts has individual animations that can chain into other individual animations so you have to build everything kind of with w how it's gonna look in the end in your head because yeah. it's kind of impossible to test all the combinations without putting it in the game and actually like making the code run it and, and, and seeing if it works so that was like pretty complicated um, and it's also complicated by the fact that we try to stay true to the uh, visual style of the game, the hand-drawn style. So yeah. things have to look a certain way. So, um, I mean, I'm happy that it works <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it works really well. I'm, I'm quite amazed yeah. that it works so well. Uh, there's a lot of yeah, tricks of going on under the um, under all of this, where cards are being dynamically placed on the animations and uh, like the skeleton is being sometimes manipulated by code to achieve certain things there's a lot of little tricks which we basically went back and forth with uh, mainly with Ludwig who was the programmer who did most of the work on the mini games and mm -hmm. I was just asking him can we do this is this possible is that possible and we were just like scratching our heads how to make it work um, because yeah there's this compromise of you can make this but sometimes it breaks visually the the image yeah. and things like overlap in weird ways where uh, I don't know like a card starts getting inside the hand in a way that looks yeah. wrong and uh, so you really have to be very strategic both in how it's structured but sometimes with the drawing itself too sometimes it's just how the hand is drawn and you do some tricks so that it doesn't it overlaps in nice ways and it's acceptable visually uh, a lot of cheating also <laughs> in this area yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean well in this game too like it needs to look pretty sure but like so much information is being conveyed in you know what the player is looking at and it's yeah. you know so it, it needs to be readable right it needs to be something they can understand and comprehend in a in a clear way yeah 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 and yeah uh, we went there for that the deck shown in, in screen on screen is always looks correct always looks as what it would look like if you were doing it yeah and i think credit to emma the yeah. um ui and ux designer who who did such a good job making it feel mm readable and clean but also sticking within the art style yeah yeah that was a lot of help yeah yeah the ux doesn't get in the way the, the ui doesn't get in the way uh, at all it, it's very it is very helpful in this game i mean and we didn't we haven't even really talked about how pretty it is like <laughs> the whole game is really pretty 
Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what is that art style? Well, the art style is like a mix of things I've done in the past. So I've done yeah. uh, book illustration for a number of years. And mm -hmm. um, I've worked with lots of different techniques because also I get bored and I try stuff. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to repeat myself too much. Yeah. And um, there's this particular technique that I use a lot for the game, which is monoprinting, which is it's something I used on and off in a number of projects, some mostly in combination with other things to achieve speci specific effects, textures mm. and stuff. But basically it's spreading paint on a surface, usually oil paint, and manipulating it in different ways. You can kind of move it or remove parts or do a lot of little tricks with it and then stamp it on a paper. Mm. And basically you can achieve a lot of weird textures and interesting effects with this that are really hard to achieve if you just paint directly on the uh, on the paper um, and it's very playful because yeah. you just spread your paint you stamp it you see what it looks like it never looks what you ex like what you expect exactly but you also get good at it so you can anticipate what more or less it will look like it's never exact and you can actually quite fast do a lot of tests and do a lot of different stamps mm. in different ways and reuse things and stamp it several times in different ways and then you choose which one you like and stuff like that so um i've been using this f for a while and when we were starting doing the prototype uh, quite quickly became like this would be the technique because i needed it to look painterly to yeah. kind of make it look like a painting that was quite clear that we needed that to yeah. to stay true to the period you know time period and all that uh, but i didn't want to make an actual painting because i don't enjoy that and um, <laughs> I, wa I want it to be modern it's also a video game you know it has to be somewhat modern uh and uh wanted to be able to exaggerate the proportions of things and, and be playful also with the with the design and the, and the style like we have these massive chandeliers and huge ceilings and things like that which is just fun for me it, it's more evocative than trying to paint yeah. the realistic thing um, so this technique was perfect because it gives you that painterly style because you get these irregular textures and shapes from from the paint that you can control uh, but it also forces you to be simple because the detail gets lost most of it like the, the really mm. thin detail gets lost when you stand so you need big shapes so that also focuses your design you just designing big shapes and i realized it gives you the best of both worlds you have high resolution high detail art but the detail is in the irregularities of the paint. It's not detail that you yeah. explicitly are painting. So you, it's kind of like doing geometric design, yeah. but with high level detail <laughs> at the same time. And it's, it's... So when you paint something, like when you, when you monoprint something, do you paint like, like the wagon that they go into? Do you paint the whole wagon and then 
like mono print it like print it over to stamp it over to paper or do you like do the body of the wagon on one and then the wheel of the wagon on another yeah. and then combine them in the computer after you scan it in yeah it's the second it's uh okay. you, you print it by parts so what i did yeah. is like you have a, uh, i do a sketch of the entire thing i want to print and then i mm -hmm. decide how to break this down what goes mm -hmm. in which layer basically and then mm -hmm. you can have fun into in printing each part different ways you can say oh like the wheels of the wagon have to look like wooden so i can spread the paint and manipulate it this way to get this texture which will look like mm -hmm. wood uh, but then like the glass of the window is different or the roof is different so i just spread the paint and move it in some other way and stamp it and then all that yeah it's composited together digitally <laughs> that's cool that's really cool yeah it's a very long process it's very it's a lot of work but i yeah. think it's worth it like the, the result is great yeah it was really exciting as well being on the team every time you'd pull the latest you'd see like a new <laughs> thing like i remember when the horses were first added it was so exciting <laughs> yeah because we just had a floating <laughs> carriage for ages <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Now, are y'all are y'all spread out? Like Daisy, are you are you in London? And then Nikolai, where are you, like where are y'all? Like in the world, is is Nereo all spread out these days? Yeah, we're fully remote. So I I typically okay. am in London, but I'm currently in the countryside with my family. Um, and okay. then yeah, it, it, there's a nice freedom that you have when you work remotely because you can take your laptop anywhere. Yeah. I was fantasizing about a situation where like everybody gathers around and like they're pressing their face against the windows. Nikolai's like smashing paper together and like, Oh, that would have been so off. nice. Like, I wish. <laughs> uh, yeah. We need to, uh, we need to get a, we need to get a something of you doing that. Cause that's, uh, that's really cool. And I'd love to see that. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Official Nereal monoprinting workshop. Sign up now. Please, please. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I did workshops for, for people uh, of this technique. Yeah. And it's, it's always work, works great because very few people do it. It's very fast. Yeah. And even you don't have to be really good at drawing because yeah. most of the time you're stamping big fat shapes. So... Yeah. Uh, it's great. Like it looks really good, very fast. People are happy. It's, it's a very good technique to to just mess around, you know. And yeah, that seems like a lot of fun. Now we got to make that happen. Got to have a got to have a monoprint party. <laughs> Everybody's covered in paint. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well. Jared, do you have anything? Um, uh, you know, I do have one question, but it doesn't pertain to Card Shark specifically. Um, so I guess I'll ask it since we're at the end of our thing. But obviously, you mentioned Barry Lyndon uh, as inspiration. So my, I just curiosity. So I'm a big film guy. What's your favorite Kubrick film? If it's not Barry Lyndon, Oof, great question. <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. Uh, hmm. Because I like all of the, his films for different reasons. 
So... Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but so I'm always curious. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably Full Metal Jacket, but mm, I cannot say if for any solid reason other than it kind of obsessed. I obsessed over that film when I was a teenager. And mm -hmm. it's maybe the first movie I saw. I saw it quite early, like maybe I was 12 or 13, something like that. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, um, I think it's the first movie that made me think, oh, movies can be something else. You know? Like, I, don't, I did not understand that movie at the time, of course. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> Like, not fully, right? I did not understand the meanings of many things. But I did feel like this is different. Like, this is special. This has some kind of power that is beyond normal movies, you know? And um, that kind of started my fascination with Kubrick. So, maybe because of that, I would say. But it's very hard to say for his movies because they're very different. And they all have very different qualities. It's funny because I have a similar. Well, I I watched The Shining when I was about thirteen, on TV, and oh, <laughs> it, it didn't. It, I was like really, um, I was really affected by it. But I did. I was convinced I wasn't scared of it. Uh, and then it's it's more like retrospectively, I become more freaked out about it. Um, and then just like all the sound design of it and the the kind of that sort of distant piano music from like another room, like that kind of atmosphere has really haunted me but i i think so like i i also just really enjoy eyes wide shut because of tom cruise's absolutely unhinged performance <laughs> tom cruise unhinged what this just is next level in eyes wide shut um but the funny yeah. thing is i always forget how long the films are like i went and watched um the Coco orange at the cinema recently and it's like Three hours long. It's not, no. It's, well, it's not. it felt like it was three hours long. I'm sure it's about three hours. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, good choices. Definitely good choices. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both for being on the forecast with us and sharing, you know, your experiences of how to cheat at making a video game. Yeah. Thank um, you for having us. Thank yeah, you. it's thank a you. pleasure. Uh, so the game's out as of as of the airing of this podcast. The game is out on PC and Switch, correct? It should be correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I certainly it hope should. so. Yeah, that's the most unconvincing uh, response from both yeah. of us. <laughs> Good, great, great. Uh, and demos are available on each platform for people who may be like hesitant about playing a game that has no precedent. There's no other game like Card Shark, which is pretty excellent. Yeah, um, I think that's really amazing that y'all have done this. Um, the demo is like two hours too. Like it's not a short demo. You, you like a, you get a good feel for the game. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yes. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's terrific. Um, now I got to do the, the 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 things that I, for some reason, always have trouble doing. But here we go. Um, you can find Devolver Digital on Twitter. You can find Devolver Digital on Instagram. You can find Devolver Digital at DevolverDigital.com. You can find Devolver Digital on Facebook. You can find Devolver Digital on Discord. Discord.gg slash Digital. Jared, did you see we had someone in the Fort Cash chat in our Discord who 
just came out of nowhere and just said, this isn't the real Devolver Digital. Like, what the hell? Who are you? I don't know you. This is is the real Devolver Digital, damn it. Um, We're on TikTok. And in fact, oh, y'all have a pretty successful TikTok with with Jared over there uh, doing a lot of things. Uh, Our TikToks... uh, mesh sometimes we'll we'll co-publish content that's pretty great and uh did i get them all twitch we got a twitch channel mm-hmm. i think i got LinkedIn? them all i think you did it yeah linkedin all <laughs> involved on linkedin <laughs> <laughs> yeah well congratulations on on this unique and really beautiful wonderful game that y'all have brought into existence daisy i'm so proud of you and happy for you to have flushed it out of your life and have moved on completely already. thank you that means a lot bravo so many people have trouble with that um but yeah thanks so much and congratulations y'all thanks for being here thank you very much bye everybody bye. Bye.